All right. Well, good evening, everyone. Glad to see your faces. I'm glad to see it's still sunny out at 7 o'clock, and we've actually had a nice day. I'm sure we're all tired of the wind. Um, anyway, before we begin looking at the prayer requests, it's been kind of a shocking week for some of our members, and uh, I even have a couple of friends that have had some shocking health news, and it's every once in a while through others, you tend to see how, or you're reminded of how precious life is. You know, we go along our way, and all of a sudden somebody has a, a illness come up, or they find out they have a tumor in their brain, or uh, pneumonia, or even a death in a family. So just want to start, uh, begin with prayer uh, before we begin class, and then we'll dive into our lesson. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the opportunity and the privilege to come here, worship in your house. And uh, I want to pray for our members that have uh, come down with various illnesses and um, dealing with death in the family and just being reminded of how precious life is. And I, the only thing I can say is I just pray that you give them the peace that surpasses understanding. Uh, let not the enemy get a foothold into their mind. Um, just remind them of your presence and help us to be mindful of how we can be of help, be of encouragement, uh, even if we just have listening ears. And I pray this evening that this class will be beneficial to all concerned. I uh, pray that we have a, a terrific discussion as we continue to mature in Christ. Amen. All right. So we've been in this class uh, called the Hidden Heroes of the Bible. And it's people that we tend to not really bring up a whole lot in discussion, but they, had, they made a tremendous impact in some of the bigger players that we read about in the Bible. Uh, before we get into our lesson... Uh, I want to ask the first question. What is the greatest commandment? Okay. Okay, thanks. I'm going to write that down. I'm just kidding. What is the greatest commandment? Second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. So what is love? 1 Corinthians 13. What is love? Patient. Kind. It's not boastful, not jealous, not selfish. What else? Mm-hmm. Does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. So that'll be kind of what we're going to focus in on a little bit tonight with our hidden hero. And. If you would, open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 12. Now I realize, I mean, I know most of you, and you know, you all have a lot of wisdom. You know the Bible pretty well. We'll, do a, we'll read these scriptures, do a brief uh, background of what was going on. But I would like 
for us to have a, a discussion about what we're talking. I'd like it to be more discussion oriented tonight because I, I think this can be a sensitive topic at times. So I'll begin reading 2 Samuel 12. And it says, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, I think that's how you say it, I don't know, which he bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children. It would eat of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom. and was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely the man who has done this deserves to die. He must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and had no compassion. Nathan then said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things. Like these. So we'll stop there just to kind of get us going. Um, so tonight we're talking about Nathan. Uh, I know that we all know about Nathan, but he's in the story of David with Bathsheba, we tend to not highlight Nathan as much, but his courage, his listening to the Spirit proved monumental. In David's life, David, we we remember, was a warrior. Remember the story of David and Goliath. Uh, He was the youngest of eight children. He was a shepherd boy, wasn't trained as a soldier, but he had a heart like no other. Um, He was a musician, skillful with the harp, penning poetry. And remember that King Saul uh, could only be soothed by David's. Music. David was a man after God's own heart, says in 1 Kings 15.5. David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn aside from anything that he commanded, except in the case of Uriah. Who was Nathan? Nathan was a trusted advisor to David. His name means he has given or he will give. We remember in 2 Samuel 7, uh, David tells Nathan he wants to build a house for God. Uh, David was living in this beautiful palace, and the Ark of the Covenant uh, was just in a lowly tent, and uh, David obviously thought that was wrong. Being a man after God, he anything that had to do with God deserved the very best. And uh, Nathan encourages him, just like a good friend would, and says to go ahead and do it because God's with him. God visits Nathan in a vision and informs him that uh, he does not need to build a house, but rather 
established David's dynasty through his son Solomon. And when Nathan relays that message, David in turn um, offers up humble, beautiful prayers that we read about in the Psalms. So I want to stop there for a minute. Uh, we remember the story of David. He was not in battle like he should have been. Uh, he saw Bathsheba. He thought, wow, she looks great. Call her over. Did their thing. And he hid his sin, which is a very bad thing, right? And if we're all honest, we, we have some hidden sins, right? We're human. Um, but the topic I want to talk about tonight coming from Nathan, and I think this is pretty hard. I know it's hard for me, but when you know there's a time when there's time for rebuking, right? You know when it's time to rebuke somebody that's been maybe really shady in their ways, and it's proven to be a detriment to maybe your family or your circle of friends or even in the church. And going about that can be, can be pretty difficult. And how do you do that? Because if you think about it, when you want to, when you want to do that, you think about what Jesus said, and he says, if you want to take the speck of sawdust out of someone's eye, first take the log out of your eye before you do that. And so you just never know, like, how do you do this, or am I coming across judgmental? Um, is this what God really wants me to do? So I'm going to ask questions, and I hope that we have good discussion. So have you uh, experienced, like, we'll just start off. Have you experienced a time when you've been rebuked, and it proved to be monumental in your spiritual walk? Maybe there was a time you did something or there was a certain, I don't know, sin you were committing and it was eating you up inside. You didn't, didn't really have the courage to talk to anybody about it, but you knew it needed to get out of your system and somebody confronted you. Has that ever happened? Jeff? I had a good friend. Actually, this happened several times. Did that help you moving forward with other oh, people? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? Well, the reason why I picked this topic uh, is because when I first started coming here, it was I don't know, probably nine or ten years ago. Uh, this couple that I had met at the gym, and they talked to me about Jesus and. A year later, I, 
you know, came to the Lord, got baptized, and we started coming to this church. And being a baby Christian, right, you have a lot of immaturity, lack of wisdom. And uh, I was thinking in my mind, I was telling Jeff this earlier, I was thinking in my mind that while not committing these sins nearly as often as I used to, so <laughs> I'm a pretty good guy, a decent Christian, right? Going to church every Sunday, saying, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, all that. And he looked me dead in the eye one night. It was on a Wednesday night. And he just said, hey, how are, how are things going? And that's the usual verbiage, hey, work's busy, blah, 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 blah. And he just looked me dead in the eye and said, I know. I was like, what? What are you talking about? I started stumbling over my words, and my heart was racing because I was like, all right, I know he knows. You know what I mean? And he gave me a good man-to-man hearty rebuke, and I needed that. It, ch- it changed me. Uh, I, sometimes I wonder, like when we read this story about Nathan rebuking David, I don't know what would have happened if he hadn't done that, right? What if he had resisted the Spirit of God telling him to go confront David. How would David have turned out? You know, How would I have turned out if that brother in Christ hadn't given me an earful? And it was for about 45 minutes out in that parking lot. And I needed it. And he, he was like me, brought to the Lord in his mid-20s, lived a very worldly life, and he met a fire brimstone <laughs> preacher down in Savannah, Georgia, so he kind of had that approach. I know that's not probably the best approach for some people. Uh, it is for me. So if you ever have a problem with me, just get in my face and just be direct. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't tiptoe around it because that, that's just kind of the way I operate. But that's also a good point when we are talking to people. Some people are a little more delicate and you have to be a little more diplomatic. Where other people, they need that direct approach. But... Again, I, I think back to that, and I, I love the man for it because he confronted me. And, but he also reminded me that he still loved me. And he said, what you've done, God has forgiven. Let's repent and let's move forward. You know what I mean? Learn, learn from this. And he said, the great thing about it is he's like, me and my wife are the only ones that know about it. And he said, well... He brought up how Jesus said, if you got something with somebody, you go to them in private. And you talk to them in private, and if they repent, you've won your brother over. If they don't repent, you bring two or three others. And if they don't, you repent again, you bring it to the church. So he brought that to me, and he said, look, I've made the same mistakes. And so, yes, he got in my face, but he also coupled it with a lot of grace, a lot of compassion, a lot of love. He said, you got to repent, you got to turn, because if you become, you know, you start eventually teaching in the church or become involved in kids' ministry and you, you act like this, that's not a good thing. And uh, so, because it would be a lot worse to hurt an entire congregation on your actions being somebody you know, when you're here and then being somebody different when it's off hours, right, for church. So anybody else have a story like that? or
very good point concern enough about your souls right and that's real hard because again we want to be liked we want to be loved we want to be accepted and this isn't the most popular thing to do in our christian walk you know what i mean like i'd rather teach a class once in a while hang out with the kids be the cool mentor you know what i mean uh but sometimes you gotta confront people and I'm not at all trying to say we need to get into the habit of confronting each other right coming here on Wednesday night and got this checklist or come in on Sundays that's not what I'm saying but I look at it I use a lot of sports analogies it's kind of like a coach he's usually the toughest on the most talented you know if he if the the talented person's not producing like they should if he's not running his sprints like he should, if he's not lifting the weights or eating properly or he's out partying instead of getting to bed on time, it's okay for a coach to get on him, right? And he gets on him because he says, man, you have a lot of talent and you also have a lot of pull on the team. The team seems to go with your flow, right? And so if you're, say, in a leadership position in the church or you're one of those people that kind of have that it factor. You kind of need to own that and hold yourself to a higher standard. And if people come to you with some suggestions or a little rebuking, um, we should welcome that, right? Just like a coach when he, he talks to his player or just like out on the construction field when the the superintendent or project manager teaches you a little bit better way to do something. We should accept that and not be prideful and and uh, get mad at that. On the flip side of this, have you ever... One thing I would like some wisdom on is how do you deal with somebody that you can't, no matter what you do, you cannot have a good relationship with them. You try, you try, you try. It feels like you're walking on eggshells and you know things are going to be real good as long as you don't, you know, ruffle the feathers. Uh, So how do you, 
and that's not a healthy relationship at all. But how do you how do you go about handling people like that? Go ahead. So is there a time when uh, you know when a rebuke is called for, or do you just take the shake the dust off your feet approach? Because let's face it, there's sometimes people just don't want to change. They always believe that they're right in every situation. And Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not talking about, you know, you've had a grumpy attitude the last couple of weeks or, you know, you kind of fell into sin. I mean, I'm talking kind of like how, like I said, I was, you know, where I'm one guy here, different guy somewhere else. But again, I was a, you know, baby Christian, lack of wisdom, lack of maturity, not to make excuse for it, but. If I was to live that way now, I would expect people to tell me to leave the congregation. I really would. But that's that's my my approach. Some people would take that. Well, don't be so judgmental or whatever. But go ahead. Mm-hmm. And we need to get better at that side of it. I mean, David, he was so quick to offer that praise and that 
Yeah. Very good point. Go ahead. Commanded respect. And I like what Shelley said because Nathan spoke David's language, right? He got to David's heart. Instead of just coming right out and saying, Look, I know you slept with Bathsheba. That's your baby. He spoke his language. David was a shepherd boy. So he knew how much David cared about sheep. And he tells a story about the rich man who takes the poor man's precious lamb that was like a pet to the family it was like a child like how people look at their dogs as like their children so that spoke to David so he had primed the pump per se to get him to accept this confrontation and I I really like that because I think if if you do again I want to make it clear I'm not talking like we get on to each other if you're grumpy or you say something in class that we disagree about or whatever. That's that's petty stuff, but it's just that consistent, uh, consistent. I don't know, backsliding or you seem to always just fall apart in your relationship with a particular person because you're walking on eggshells and 
it, the relationship is more of as long as you do what this person wants to do, walk this way, everything's okay. But the moment you're one inch off, everything seems to go awry. Um, and I kind of lost my train of thought there, but we do that because we love them. You know, Nathan loved David. If we do have to confront each other, it's because we love each other. We want to see the restoration. We want everyone to go to heaven. We want to have the heart of God, right? That um, he says that he desires all men be saved and that all come to repentance. And sometimes people maybe don't know that they're doing wrong, right? They're a baby Christian or a little immature or a little bit blind to a certain weakness. So there has to be that wisdom to speak their language, to get into their heart. And in order to do that, like Nathan was a very good friend to David, right? They had an established relationship, okay? There's some people I'm looking in the room, it wouldn't be right for me to just walk up to you and say, hey, you know, I've I've heard you've done some things, you know, because I don't have much of a relationship more than just high in passing, right? Um, But there's other times when if you have a strong relationship with certain people, then you need to discuss it. And, you know, I had a friend come to me a few weeks ago and confessed something, and one of the approaches that I like to take is I learned it from my job in Texas because there was always... When you work in low voltage, fire protection, uh, all that stuff, there was always a lot of ground faults, a lot of shorts. You just you just knew when you did a job, it was not going to go perfect. So quit crying about it. Get your tool belt on and troubleshoot, right? And the first thing that I said to him was, so what are you going to do to troubleshoot this wrongdoing? And that's... That's all I said, and I, I let him do most of the talking, but I didn't say, oh, it's okay, we all fall, because it wasn't okay what he did, just like it's not okay what I do, you know, when I sin throughout the day. Um, but I kind of spoke a language he would understand, the troubleshoot. How are we going to troubleshoot this? And we've been talking about once a week, and I asked him the same thing, how's the troubleshooting going? we breaking down the circuit, right? Because when you troubleshoot, you go from the panel and you go to all the devices in the field and you go halfway out and figure out, is it coming from the panel to here or from here to there? And we just keep breaking it down, breaking it down, breaking it down. What's the root cause, right? Because we want to get each we want to be better, right? We want to walk as beloved children of God. That's what the Bible says. So I, I really... I really like that approach, you know, and I'm sure, you know, through your life experiences and your jobs, you have other ways to talk about how to troubleshoot. Um, but it, so far, that's worked pretty good with, with different people when they're struggling or have come to me. They, it, a light bulb goes off. Like, yeah, I need to troubleshoot this, you know. It's not, it's not good that 
I have ground faults and shorts in my spiritual walk, but we're going to break this down little by little by little and get our spiritual system flowing in the right direction again. Um, So another reason why I wanted to bring this up, I think about in Ezekiel where God said, I'll read the scriptures, but it says, if I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity. But you will have, will have delivered your soul. So do you think God, in a way, commands us to confront at times? If someone's like him blatant, Sin. Paul told Timothy, all scriptures God breathed, useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, so the man of God will be equipped for every good work. Do you ever do you ever wonder that when we we meet the Lord and, and I'm I'm very thankful that Jesus died for my sins. Again, as as you mature in your walk with God, you realize, like, wow, <laughs> how much I really need you. You know what I mean? Because even though on the surface and to people you've known for years, they, they see that drastic change, right? You're a different person in the way you conduct yourself, the way you speak, your values, your morals. But God kind of, he works on our heart, and we're a lot more sensitive to that. So we become more thankful for what Jesus did for us. But do you ever, like sometimes I wonder, there's been times when I've I felt like I needed to talk to somebody, like a brother or sister in Christ. And again, it's not to come to them like I'm almighty B-Shea and, you know, you get up to my level or whatever. You're, you're A-ball Christian. I'm in the major league Christian. Right? That's not what I'm talking about. But there's there's times I've, I've been flat out timid about it, you know, because I don't want to lose the friendship, or I don't want to come across as judgmental. Or again, like I said earlier, you think about what Jesus said: take the log out of your eye before you take the speck of sawdust as someone else's eye. And so, but sometimes I wonder if the Lord's going to confront me on that, on the day of judgment. Do you ever, ever think about that? You might have been a little bit too timid and you thought, man, I should have talked to this, this person, even just going to them and saying, how's your spiritual life? But even that, you're a little bit too worried. Not even a rebuke. Just, how's your spiritual life? Or, you know, what's been, what's God been speaking to you about lately, what's been on the forefront of your mind, and you didn't because you were worried they were going to lash out at you, and maybe they don't go to church anymore. They just kind of drifted away from God. 
Do you ever wonder if you'd had that conversation where they might be right now? It goes pretty fast when you get older, too, so... That makes for a much better relationship because you know if that person is, has not said anything to you lately, you know things are probably pretty good because you know that they're they're honest and you're honest with them, and, and everybody's kind of hitting the nail on the head. We make sure to let that person know I love you. You know that's why we're talking about this and the Bible says when you do this do it when you restore your brother restore him with a spirit of gentleness so next time be gentle no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I get what you're saying because I got a fiery Irish temper myself and so when I think about a particular individual in my mind I can get pretty fired up about it and I know if I was to see that person in that moment of time, it probably wouldn't be a very good situation. And it wouldn't, not that I'm going to get in a fist fight or something, but just more tongue lashing. And, but I, 
you know, you think about it, if we let the Spirit work in us and be patient, like love is patient, right? Kind of let it work itself out. You've probably seen times where because you let it kind of work itself out, the right time came along to talk about it. It was a much more calmer discussion. And you actually accomplished what you set out to do. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the idea, and that's why what Shelley said is so important, a whole lot of the idea is I need to humbly present this to them, that this isn't between me and them. Um, and the reason you, after that, have nothing to do with them, one of it is for your own sanity, that's true. But a lot of it is because you're turning this over to them and God. Mm-hmm. Because regardless of how they're going to argue with you, they still have to go to sleep at night. They still have to talk to the Spirit. The spirit yep. is still there to convict them. Right. But what is critical is that we do um, after a time. That's why I love Second Corinthians. That's why Second Corinthians was written. After a time, after you've gone through this, after you've gone through this pain, you come back, you restore, you strengthen, mm-hmm. and uh, you, you do show that love. But um, a lot, everyone in this room probably has somebody that. Uh, I mean, I've lost relationships over. Yeah, like King David said, I mean, he's, he's the king of Israel, right? He's the leader. So it's a pretty, pretty big deal. Now, sin in all of our lives are a pretty big deal. You know what I mean? I'm just your average blue-collar guy, right? Nothing special. But, but if I do have sin that it reoccurring, need to be confronted about it because it, it can affect, like my friend said, like he's like me and my wife, the only ones that know about this. But if you keep doing this, the whole entire congregation is going to know about it. And what's going to happen when there's some kids that look up to you and they see you being this way? They see, well, Mr. Billy does it. It's okay every once in a while, right? He said, you don't want to do that. He said, be a man, be a leader. And I love him for that because he did that. So again, um, we're, we're out of time, but... I hope this was beneficial. I think it was a pretty good discussion. And again, if we need to confront somebody or we need to be confronted, have a spirit of love, right? Love is patient, it's kind, rejoices in the truth. And we're, we all stumble, we all fall, but our goal is to help each other keep putting one foot in front of the other until we meet our Lord. All right, that's it.